Hello everyone, this is Tanika Drake and I am going to share a book with you that I've written called The Gift of Finding God's Love, Guilt and Shame Turned into My Shine. Please check that book out either on Barnes & Noble or you can find it at Amazon or any place where you can get that book. Remember, it is not okay for anyone to hurt or harm you. Please check that book out and happy reading everyone. Welcome to the Walk in Truth Christian Fellowship Church broadcast on the WITRN Network. Come join us as we study the Word of God together. Go get your Bible and let's see what the Holy Spirit is saying to us today. saved, ask the angel to question, what must I do to be saved? Yeah. Amen. 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 All right, I'm going to start with uh, observation and glory, and then we'll have exhortation from uh, Minister Kay. Amen. 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 So the scripture has John chapter 15, 18 through 21, and it reads, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I choose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. Amen. Amen. And sometimes we seem to forget that. We're not of the world. We're not like the world. And the world will hate us. And it warns us. This isn't the only verse that warns It warns us many times in the Bible. That the world will hate us. Oh. Yet sometimes we get so offended whenever the world hates us. Mm -hmm. But we can't let the world offend us. We're not of the world, like in the scripture said. Mm -hmm. Because we are not of the world, it does not love us. If we were of the world, it would love us. Mm -hmm. And just like it says, the things of God are foolishness to those who are perishing. So not everyone is going to love us. Not everyone is going to treat us kindly. And we have to understand that and expect that. So sometimes we seem to forget that. But by that happening, we also know that we are getting close to the return of Christ. 
And how great is that? So though we're getting persecuted and we keep having these things come up against us, I mean, it's not fun, but rejoice. Because we're getting closer to the return of our great King, Jesus Christ. Amen. Yesterday for the homegoing of Sister God. It was truly a blessing. I, I I know I've seen us come together, but Lord have mercy, when we come together, we just we really come together. And I just wanted to give God some praise like that. And I was listening to y'all know uh, Shirley Season. That song she said, I feel like praising, praising him. Come on, y'all. Being on the 
a great pastor and a great mama bear with your sister Stacy and all my sisters and brothers. Y'all, man, y'all, y'all, look, I, I got, I want to share this and I'm going to sit on down. That's why I said, don't give me the mic. Our brother walked in here, man. Woo, brother Kevin walked in here, man. I couldn't yeah. remember getting y'all some praise. You know what? I don't want my child, but hey, I'm still trusting God for total recovery. Yeah. I tell you one thing, when that dude walked in here, he was, hey, hey. I was like, give me some praise, brother. You know what? Brother Steve did a wonderful job yesterday. I tell you, I know Pastor, you trying to cut in, but I'm going to get on off this one. But yeah, Brother Steve did a wonderful job yesterday, y'all. Amen. You know, like, if Pastor asked me to get up here and speak, I was like, <laughs> but I just want to give God some love. That's how it is. Okay? Amen. 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 Let's give the Lord a hand clap of prayer. personalities can can meld around one subject matter which was Mother Guy's home going yesterday. Yes. And uh, thank you. Uh, you know, the com commendations that went out. Um, I'm very proud, uh, honored to have served her and continue to serve you. Um, today we're going to get started. We're not going to belabor the matter. I'm going to pray that we're going to get started. We're going to be in uh, Luke chapter 15. So you can stick a pen in that. And then you can also go to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter, I think it's, is it, is it 5 Steve verses 16 and 17? Yes, it's 5. Okay, so you can stick a pen in that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 16 and 17. And uh, Luke chapter 15. Um, very familiar. This is more of an observation and to get you to think about some things. Because, you know, when things, when it comes to God, we have to step back from what we see and let the Holy Spirit reveal to us what it's trying to reveal to us. Uh, a lot of times when we read a passage, it is what it is, but then there's times where it causes you to pause and think because you got to look at it from all the angles that's presented to you. And that's how you get the fullness of what's really going on in the scripture. When you can step back and look at it through the eyes, historically, the eyes socially, politically, and even religiously. So we, we wanna get a fuller understanding. We might have more questions at the end than we have answers. And that's okay. Because that gives room for the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. So we just thank God for that. Let's pray. Oh, grace, help me, Father, bless this word as it goes out amongst your people. Amen. Amen. So let's think about this. Let's think about this. Steve, go ahead and read uh, 2 Corinthians first. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses uh, 16 and 17. Very familiar passages. None of these are foreign to you. Go ahead, read. All right, starting at 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Amen. And, and what that tells us is that there was one time that 
They handled Christ according to the flesh. They shook his hand. They ate with him. They were with him all the time. And we know by when we read the Gospels that a lot of times you can be with somebody close but still miss the essence of who they are and what they're trying to tell you. So a lot of times when we, even when we do home going, it's a lesson to be learned behind that. And all the lessons that were taught to you that you missed somehow come flooding back to you because they were the most significant, insignificant at the time, they become more significant once the teacher leaves. So holding him, handling him according to the flesh. That's what they did. But no longer do we handle Jesus according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Then he tells us and, and kind of gives us a guidance of how we need to look at each other. We need to look at each other according to the spirit. And when you do that, then you can look at things from God's perspective. And old things pass away and all things become new. Some things become dead to you because you're looking at them from a different perspective. It doesn't mean that they're not there. It just means that you're looking from on high versus down low. And in dealing with each other, sometimes you need to raise above the person. Amen. You need to quit looking at what's on the outside of them and look at what God said is the potential on the inside. Amen. So we have to look at things in a different perspective. Okay, Luke chapter 15. Now, just remember that. We're going to look at things from a different perspective. Say a different perspective. A high perspective. God's perspective. Amen. So let's look at Luke chapter 15. So, in the beginning, it starts off, uh, Steve, read just, I think, 1 and 2, verse 1, 2, and 3. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So then, so you have this situation, whereas, let's look at it from the, from the perspective of the Jew. The Pharisees and tax the Pharisees and the Sadducees are looking at Jesus dining with what they call sinners. Mm -hmm. The tax collectors and the sinners. That means everybody but them. Mm -hmm. And since he's a Jew, if you look from the Jewish perspective, they're wondering from their perspective, what is he doing eating with them? What is he doing dining with them? What relationship does he have with them? Because we know he's a Jew, but he's doing these things that's contrary and counterintuitive to what we know to do. And a lot of us live like that. We live within our traditions, within our education, with the way we grow up. And it serves us to a point, but when it comes to dealing with others that are not like us, we tend to shy away from them and begin to label them. We're looking at what they are on the outside, but missing all the potential of them on the inside. Jesus looks always on the inside. But, but more importantly, you think that he's looking on the inside of the sinners and the tax collectors, but really he's looking on the inside of the heart of the Pharisees and the grumblers. Because Jesus has a way to always put before you what's wrong with you. <laughs> what's wrong with you? A lot of times when we look at the Bible, we want to look, find out what's wrong with somebody else. But Jesus wants to put what's wrong with you. So he begins to tell a parable in the first parable. And I'm not going really to read the whole thing, but go back and read the whole thing because all three are important and significant in order. You start off with the lamb and he talks about the fact that which one of you, if you didn't have a lamb, that you were going to get this lamb? The lost one. You know, leave the 99 and go find the lost. Now, now think about this. From the perspective, they would understand that something that they believe is valuable, lamb, an oxen or whatever, if it was lost, then you would go take the time to go find it. It makes no difference what day it's on. You're going to take the time to go find it because you value the lamb. Then he talked about the coin. 
the lady with the coin. The coin is valuable because it's made of silver. You would take the time to go sweep the house, put a lamp on the house, and find the silver. But each one says, Jesus turns it around to talk about repentance. Come on, man. But how do you get to repentance when the greater goes to find the lesser? Lambs don't repent. Coins are inanimate. So what, 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 is the, what is the repentance thing about? So he's building up to the ultimate thing. It's easy to rejoice when there's no rebellion. It's easy to, joy, to rejoice when we just perceive somebody's loss just because they have a lack of information or knowledge. But is it, can we rejoice when there's open rebellion? So let's look at uh, chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son. And really what we see in that story is we have three prodigals. <laughs> They're just different perspectives. No one is necessarily wrong within their perspective, but one is, seems to be better equipped to handle all situations. Could we be the one son? Could we be the other son? Could we be the father? Who are you in this? Observe yourself. Let, it, let the light of this parable shine on you. Remember, we're trying to look at things in a way that we've never looked at them before. So let's see if we can find ourselves in this parable. Go ahead. Verse 11. Starting at 11. And he, and he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Switch my father, And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of my property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went out and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. And he ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand 
and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this is my son, was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his, now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to and as he came and draw near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never once gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him? And he said to him, Son, you were always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It is fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Amen. 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 And again, it's a very familiar passage. We we have these this, these two brothers and I, my, I always my imagination goes with they they in the same room and the younger brother wakes up and says, "You know what? I'm tired of this. I'm tired of living here. I, I want to know what's on the outside. I want to know what it's like to be out there because out there it seems as if they're having fun. I mean, you know, the, the dad is fine and we got service and everything, but you know what? I just want to go experience the real world. I want to get out and do my thing. We've all been there. Whereas home." It's great, but you know, there's something out there that's drawing us to it. It's something that we believe that we are missing because we've been staying close to home. The older brother said, well, I understand what you're saying. I get curious sometimes, but I'm not going nowhere. I'm just going to stay here and do as I believe I'm going to do. And I know what I have coming because I'm the oldest. I know what I have coming and I'm not going to rock the boat, but you know what? Sometimes, you know, other brothers and sisters put the young ones up to do stuff they scared to do. So they, he said, go ahead, you go ahead and go ahead and go out there and you go ahead and enjoy yourself. And, you know, you know, but you, you know, if you're going to go ask dad, don't tell him I know nothing about this. OK, so he goes to his father. He says, look, dad, I, I, I love you. I love mom, but I'm going to I, I, I want what I was going to get at death. I want it now. I, I want to go and make I've made a decision. I want to get out on my own. And it's kind of funny, haven't you noticed? All these children, when they want to get out on their own, it always costs you some money to put them out on their own. It always costs you to put them out on their own, but they want to be on their own. But if they're still on your own, but they, but they want to be out on their own. So I laugh at the story. I'm like, okay, he's typical. He's going to say, I'm going to get out on my own, but get out on my own with daddy's money. So, so daddy say, okay, son, I don't want you to go. I don't want you to go. You, 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 you're a prince. You don't need to go. You, I can give you anything that you want. No, there's something out there drawing me. 
And a lot of times what ends up happening is that we make decisions and we don't understand the consequences that's going to come. Amen. In the moment, it sounded real good. In the moment, it sounded that once he, he gives it to me, I'm good to go and I'm going to show them. I'm going to show them that I can make it. I, I can live any way I want to live and do what I want to do. And he did that. The father gave his money to him, his inheritance to him reluctantly. The, young, the older brother probably smiled and laughed and said, good riddance, goodbye. I got it all to myself now. You got your portion, now do what you're going to do. All while the, the younger brother takes out. And he goes into a foreign land. But see, the thing about it is, when you go into a foreign land, you might be milking honey at the time, but you can't see the famine coming. He couldn't see what God was doing. The famine was coming. And maybe the famine came just for him. Sometimes God will send a famine in your life when you think you got plenty. He'll break you down to nothing. Just for you to understand who really God is. You do all that you want to do. You have made your decisions. You big and bad. But God is smiling at you saying you can't see the family coming. So he goes and spends his money on lifestyle living. He bought the latest clothes, the latest trends, hung out with the with the ladies in the night and did what he wanted to do and spent his money on lasciviousness. Sinful living. But he was a Jew, but you know, he he drinking, he having a good time. And he said, it can't get no better than this, but a famine's coming. And when the famine came, he found himself, he had ran out of money. Like so many of our children who go out on their own, they run out of their money, which is our money given to them. So he runs out of the money that he had, his father gave him, and now he needs to get a job. He's never worked before. He's always been a prince. Everybody catered to him. He's never lifted a finger before, but he the, he, he was so unskilled that he had to go something, do something that the Jew would never do. He had to go feed the pig. Come on. It's something when, when God puts you in a position that you have to do something that you never do either. You made a decision, the famine came, and now you're feeding pigs. You have to do something that you would never do just to survive. And even though you are feeding the pigs, you can't get food because they, go, they don't want you to eat their food, and you don't want to eat their food. But you're going to eat what you can just to get by. And as you're sitting there and your stomach is grumbling, then all of a sudden you come to yourself. You think? See, looking at it from the natural man, we look right now is it is obvious that his decisions helped bring him along to come to himself. How many times that God has let you make a bad decision so that you can come to yourself? He don't get in the way you making bad decisions, so don't get scared. You gonna make them, and just the reason to make them is that you come to yourself. Quick living, quick life living is gonna enter you coming to yourself a whole bunch of times. You gotta be able to count the cost and seek some things out, and that's what most people don't do. They they living in the moment, and, and and Western society only tells you to live in the moment. Don't think about the consequences of your decisions. Just enjoy it while you can. But again, I do say the famine is coming. And it all comes for all people who live outside of God's law and outside of God's love. It didn't just, he just was rebellion towards the father and the traditions of the family, but he also, he, he kind of slapped the father in the face and rejected his love. And then he goes on, he comes to himself, and then he, he decides he's going to go back. And his dream is, 
It's not about the love of the father, but how opulent he had it in the palace. Mm. He said, man, I wonder what my father's servants doing. They fool. <laughs> the servants fool. Yeah. Man, I'm going to go back. And I'm going to apologize to my father. I'm going to repent. Now from the, you have to remember, let's back up. Who is he talking to? He's talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He's talking to the religious right. He's talking to the self-righteous. He's talking to the ones who carry the Torah around, all around their heads and their hearts. He's talking to the ones who are sitting there judging this story. And they are amazed by this story because all they see is rebellion. All they can see is rebellion in the moment. All they can see what was done on the outside. All they can see is that an uh, 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 unrighteous son has taken what he should not have taken. The father has let him go. And if he comes back, he needs to be stoned. Mm -hmm. See, religious uh, Jewish history would tell you that when you dishonored mother and father, you deserve to be stoned. Mm -hmm. He had dishonored everything it was to be a good Jew. And the Pharisees are looking at it, and can you imagine how much they're grumbling now? They're saying, yeah, 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 he deserves to die. He doesn't deserve to come back. And if he comes back and repents, see, when the, in the law, there is no grace. In the law, there is no mercy. When you break the law, there's only penalty. So they were ready for the story of the penalty, but couldn't understand it was actually a story about grace. See, what, I, what we do is say, pay so much attention to the prodigal son coming back. But what about the father who waited? patiently, long-suffered with him, put up with him, decided that he would continue to look out for his son even though he had his empire to take care of, and then the older brother is doing what he's supposed to do. He's a servant, but, it, but the, the issue is he serves according to the letter, not according to the spirit. If I look at it from God's perspective, I have two sons. I got one son that's close to me, that's around me, that knows the knowledge but don't have the wisdom. I got the other son that doesn't have the knowledge yet, but is willing to take a chance to try to get some wisdom. It's only through when we fall can we gain the wisdom. So from God's perspective, I'm watching these two sons, and, and, and what makes the difference in the sons is one is ready to come back in humility, and the other one's willing to stand on its ability. See, one time, a lot of times when we're dealing with people, we have to understand it's always better to take the humble road. Yeah. It's always better to seek the lesser chair, as we found out. It's always better to sit back and then be elevated. Yeah. But a lot of us start off in religion in our elevated mind, mm. in our elevated position. We begin to think about the things that we used to achieve in church and the titles that were given, but yet and still with that we develop develop some kind of arrogance. Mm -hmm. We believe that we have arrived like the like the sun that stayed and we've done what God wanted to do and look at what we want. We want a party. Mm -hmm. But the Bible says that at best we can call ourselves unfaithful servants. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I say, I look at this, I say, you know, which son would I rather be? Mm -hmm. Well, when I think about it, I'd rather be neither. <laughs> to be honest, I don't want to be the son of rebellion that lost all my money in lascivious living. And I don't want to be the son who stayed with the father and then began to think I was married to something 
that only could come from the Father. So where do we stand? Where do I stand? Where do you stand? Well, I'm glad that the Bible said no, no man after the flesh. Because what God does for us in his sovereign grace is too magnanimous for my mind to figure out. Whether I am the son that went out and lived a lascivious life or the son that stayed and had a religious life, all sons need grace. All daughters need grace. Everybody needs to be forgiven. And therein lies what I see in this. I see a father that's willing to forgive both. Even though the unity of the two will probably never come together. And it's interesting in the church why we can't get along, but God forgives us all. You know, you know, you know, you know, you got two brothers on the other side of the fence, but, but his father said, I love you both. He said, if you wanted a party, you could have had a party. You didn't need to come ask me. You had it all. You and your friends. Yeah, but see, you didn't tell that you told your brother to go ahead and leave. Well, you see, and that, and again, and that's all I want to think about right now. I, I want to think about where are we? And we're right there. We're right there in the middle. We need to be forgiven. We need to receive the mercies of God. And we need to, once we receive the mercy of God, the Bible talks about the goodness of God should lead us to repentance. Both sons needed to repent. Both sons needed to come to themselves. But when you're religious, when you're very religious, it's hard to come to yourself because you bully yourself. Come on, man. Yeah, I mean, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, we become so full of ourselves. You know, we want to be recognized as soon as we walk through the door. You know, and, 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 and I found out the Bible is true. Just lay back in the cut, and if God, if, if you got favor, favor will find you. You don't have to be boisterous and get up and talk a whole bunch. Favor will find you. And it will. And imagine these guys sitting there, and the, you know, the story ends abruptly with no resolution. Jesus didn't come back and explain anything. He wanted them to think. He wanted them to consider this. Just because you're religious, just because you're righteous, it doesn't mean that you don't need forgiveness. It doesn't mean that you don't need God's mercy. And just because you went off and did what you wanted to do, don't mean you can't come back home. Well, And I want to deal with those who walked and did what they wanted to do. Don't let church folk tell you that you can't be saved. Because God said he came to save sinners. He didn't come to save the righteous. He came to save sinners. Like me and like you. Don't let what you've done on the outside affect what God is trying to do on the inside of you. You made some bad decisions. You used up some resources you ain't supposed to. You done made some bad deals. You done been in places you ain't supposed to be. But see, God says the famine is coming. And he loves when the famine comes because the famine leaves you without hope. But then God says, I'm your hope. He says, I'm the way out the family, out the famine. He says that I will do what I need to do to get your attention. If you need a if you need a famine, I'll bring you a famine. If you need a drought, I bring you a drop because he said, I will make a way for you. I will make rivers in your desert. Yeah. He'll make a way for you. Yeah. 
And it's so amazing. The son came back because his father had already purposed in his mind that he would make a way for him. And that's different. That's different than any other time. Because a lot of times, we as church folk don't make a way for the person sitting next to us. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be hypercritical, but, but I notice sometimes that, that we can look beyond our own noses, mm -hmm. our own intelligence, our own education, just understand that there's a person in need sitting right next to you. You don't need to go out. You don't need that. They're sitting right next to you. They're right in this building right now. If you listen to them, there's somebody in your family that needs for you to be the, be like the father and, and start running towards them from afar off. See, I give mothers that. See, this is contrary to manhood in, in Israel that a father would be considered to be running. That would be an insult. That would be below his status. A father running to a rebellious son, God forbid. But you know, God has placed in some men the love of their children. And we talked about that yesterday, the mother who loves to a fault. This father loved to a fault. Jesus loved to a fault because it cost him his life. But that fault turned into a blessing for those who believe. So just like as I make this observation about this story, what I see is a progression towards what's more important to God. Remember in Luke, it also said there was a time, he said, if you ask for a fish, your father won't give you a serpent. If you ask for an egg, he won't give you a scorpion. But it's God's good will and pleasure to give you the kingdom. See, it's God's pleasure. He wants to give you the kingdom. He wants you to come on back. I don't care what you done did. I don't care what they done said. You can come on back to God. We're not going to worry about it if you turned over. That's between you and God. And that you've been go, turned over to a reprobate mind. But until until the trump sings, until you go home, we're going to have hope. Hallelujah. That you're going to come to yourself. There's somebody that needs to come to themselves. I don't care what you did. Your confession is between you and God. You don't have to tell man anything. Because a lot of times when you tell man something, it mess them up. Because they begin to think they're going to lead you into something. You need to be led by the Holy Spirit to come to God. You don't need to be led by, by necessarily no man that's not leading you to God. You know, I have a whole bunch of psychological answers, but the only answer to sin is holiness. And when, when this boy came to himself, he began to seek holiness. And when he began to seek holiness, everything that was taken away was restored. And they say the father said to the older brother, look. Your brother was lost and now he's found. He was dead, but now he was alive. We were born dead in sin and shaped in iniquity. We were born separated spiritually from God. So we were we were dead, but Jesus decided to die on the cross that we can be found. And now that we are found, we are happy that we can rest in Christ Jesus. Our lives are hidden in Christ Jesus. You see, this boy understood if I could just make it home and be daddy's servant, I'm blessed. Yeah. See, we got to understand, sometimes it's just better to go home and be a servant for a little while. Don't Come seek on, a title. Man. Don't seek a position. Yeah. Don't seek to talk. Just sit there and, and relish in the fact that God loved you enough to let you come home. Yeah. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. So when I look at it from God's perspective, he provided the way, he provided the right, and he provided the the, the, what we needed so we can come home. But the famine always comes when we make bad decisions. Yes, yes. But the famine would be the springboard to which leads us back into our faith. Amen. So when you're going through your famine time, when you're going through your dry time, when you're going through the times when you feel that you have lack, remember, the lesson is turn to God. Yes. Amen. 
That's all the lesson is. Just turn to God. See, that's a simple lesson. If we try to be so smart. But think about this. Everything is written for us to get to the cross. Yeah. Yeah. To get to the point where we understand where Israel did not understand. They needed a Savior. Yeah. The Bible says in Colossians that he has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the, king of, into the kingdom of his beloved son. Amen. He's, you're delivered and then you're transferred. You're taken out, then you're given something new. You're taken out and you're transferred into the, the kingdom of his beloved son where old things pass away and all things become new. When he went home, he came home better than he did when he left. When he came home, he might not, got, might not get a chance to sit back where he sat before, but he's sitting from a position of understanding what it's like to lose. Sometimes we need to understand it's okay to lose because through losing, we gain. You say, Pastor, what the Bible says, if you lose your life, you gain your life. So sometimes when the famine comes, it's just a time for the purging and the losing so you can gain more than you had before and appreciate what God is doing for you. It's only through that I go through what I go through that I can appreciate what God has done for me. So whether I'm the son that stayed and became super religious and not understand the love of the father for all of us or the son that went and spent the money. I am in this story. You are in this story. And God is at the top of the story. Amen. So we don't take upon ourselves necessarily attributes of the father because we know we don't do that for real. We just, you know, we, we especially as men, we don't, you know, we, we don't. We'll, we say stuff, we say stupid stuff like I'll make another one just like you. You know, so, you know and you know, I've heard that before. So, you know, the thing about it is, I just want to say, you know, from my observation of this, of this story, what I see is the God who loves beyond my circumstance. Amen. Right. Right. I see the God who will receive me in spite of all the bad decisions I made. A lot of us haven't came to Christ yet because we've been told that, that, that God is not going to accept us the way we are. Mm -hmm. so, so if I'm doing something that I know in my heart is against God, you just told me I can't come to God till I get myself right. Mm -hmm. See, the problem is you can't get yourself right. Hey, come on, man. You can't get yourself right. You can come to yourself, but you can't get yourself right. Righteousness has to be imputed and bestowed upon you through Jesus Christ and your belief that he, that he died for your sins. That's how you become righteous, and then you get the full armor of God to go with it, and then when you pass on the glory, you get your robe of righteousness and your crown, and then awaiting for your glorified body. See, you have to understand that there's a time for everything. There's a time for everything to happen, and in this man's life, he had the opportunity to come back to God, but so many people die in their sin. Let's be for real. They stop, They stay dead in the pig pen. But let me tell you something. Whether you are a scholar or just someone who believes in Jesus, realize that you are a prince or a princess. Amen. You were never meant to be with pigs. No matter what you've done, the fact that you're even here lets me know that you are one of God's children. You love God's people, you love God's word, and you love to be around the things of God. And yet, you're going to still make bad decisions. Some more worse than others. But there's all part of the providential nature of God. God allows these things to happen and you to do them only to bring you to him. 
again, that you may come to yourself and realize who he is and what you need. All of us need God. And there's somebody that you can tell, look, I don't care what you've done. Just come to Jesus. Just preach Jesus. Quit preaching all this other stuff. Just preach Jesus. None of this other stuff can satisfy you. Just Jesus satisfies I mean, it's so simple. Like they say, a baby can understand it. Just preach the Savior, the Messiah, the one who died on the cross with you, the one who rose on the third day to justify you, the one that says that when you come to him, you make peace with him, the one who says that you have access to him, the one who says that there's no more condemnation, the one that says that neither death nor life nor angel nor principality nor things present nor things to come can separate you from his love. This is the Jesus that we come to, and this is the Jesus we got to continue to show people. No matter where you are in this story, let the father be the father and you be the child. Come on. So I thank God for this story because it showed me myself. Mm -hmm. I'm a little bit of both. Amen. I'm the Pharisee. Mm -hmm. I'm the son who may take advantage of the fact that I stayed and so-called did what I was supposed to do. Yeah. And I show him the son that lived lasciviously at one time. Mm -hmm. But in all in all, the constant thing is there's a God. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's the consistent thing. Those things change through time. But the consistent thing, at each stage of my life, I needed God. And if you be honest with you yourself, you'll understand. You needed God. At each stage of your life. So now we go back to 2 Corinthians where we don't need to know no one after the flesh anymore. We can look at people according to the spirit. The potential that lies within them. Where they can grow. Where they can come in and know what they're supposed to be doing. That they can come to a body and feel safe. And decide that they want to fellowship with that body. Because we all have a past. And we all have a future in Christ Jesus. So from the lofty position of God, I thank God for his mercy and forgiveness. And the humble position of being his child and rebellious at times. I thank him for his mercy and forgiveness. And then more importantly, I thank him for his grace. A favor that I don't deserve. Neither son deserted favor, but he gave favor to both. So just like him, just like them, and just like us, God gives us favor. And we don't deserve it. So the outside of us may be dirty, mm -hmm. but Jesus is going to clean up the inside. Hallelujah. Yeah. So you're looking at somebody next time and judging them, remember, you were just like that at one time. Only thing between them and you is that they know that you know Jesus. So then why not let them see Jesus? Give your enemy a cup of water and see what happens. Amen. Me and Steve were walking, we were driving, and we had got uh, some water from the house for myself, and we pulled up at 270 in Bell Fountain, and the guy came up. He didn't ask for money. You know what he asked for? Some water. We didn't know that that water that was given for me would be given to actually help somebody else. We could have been selfish and said, no, nah, that's for the pastor. But no, it's, it's, the water is to be given, and just let me know. You just know, never know when God has set you up to be a, a person who gives. He said, put you in this situation to test. Are you really like him? And it's a simple test. It's the mundane test. It's the test that lets you look at your drawing and see all the butterscotch sitting there. For those of you who know what I'm talking about. The butterscotch sitting there. It was insignificant at the time, but it became a significant reminder of people will give you stuff that you don't want, but think about the fact that they gave you anything. Come on. 
So I just thank God. So that's, as I continue to observe and unpack, I'm just going to leave it right there and just ask you to think about these stories. You know, what have you lost that you've had so much desire to search for that when you found it, you told everybody? But then how much desire do you have to go after the loss that all heaven can rejoice that somebody saved? You got to think about these things. It's nothing to get on you about, it's just something to ponder as we go forward in faith. Let's pray. Oh, Grace Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for this observation. Lord, I know that we don't deserve your love and your favor. That's why you call me grace. But God, we thank God that you renew our mercies every morning. That even in our free will, we make bad decisions. But this story shows me that you love me enough that I can come home. My part is that I need to know that I need to go home. Your part is that you will receive me when I come home. So Lord, thank you for receiving us into your arms. Thank you for hiding our lives in you. Thank you for being the God of forgiveness and all understanding. Thank you for being our high priest that understands how we feel and what we go through, but he has never sinned. Thank you for the one once in a lifetime offering of your son, Jesus Christ, to be the atonement for our sins. Lord, we just thank you today. We can't thank you enough for what you're doing inside of us, Lord. And the outside, the outside continues to perish. Let the inside continue to grow with fever, with, with, with purpose and with, with might that we may conquer and tell people how good Jesus is and give them the gospel who saves them. Lord, let us not be scared to give people a couple of that living water that you talk about, Lord. Lord, bless this congregation all those congregations call on the name of Jesus. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for tuning in for We always want you to be encouraged, blessed, and in peace. And remember what? Walk in truth. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Walk in Truth Christian Fellowship Church broadcast on the WITRN Network. Come join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time for Sunday worship. Bible study is held on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. We are located at 3006 North Lindbergh Boulevard Suite 711, St. Louis, Missouri, 63074. All are welcome and we look forward to seeing you soon.